Welcome back to another episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Osborne, and today's episode is one that I have been eagerly waiting to share with all of you. We have a very special guest, AJ Harper, and AJ is an editor and publishing strategist who helps authors write foundational books that enable them to build their readership, grow their brands, and make a significant impact on the world. AJ has worked with newbie authors like myself, as well as New York Times bestsellers with millions of books sold. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. Today's episode is brought to you by Kajabi. Have you ever dreamt of turning your passion to profit? Well, Kajabi makes it easier than ever from online courses to coaching to content to fully integrated websites. Kajabi is everything you need to launch your online business and thrive. I've been using it for almost five years and it's trusted by over 50,000 entrepreneurs worldwide. Kajabi is the all-in-one platform that turns your expertise into impact. And if you're ready to start your success story, just visit the link in the show notes and get a free 30-day access to Kajabi. Well, let's get back to the show. So AJ, your expertise has touched millions of books. You are the powerhouse behind nine books co-written with your business uh, partner and author, Mike Michalowicz, including you know titles like Profit First, which is a fantastic book, and Get Different. And for those of us that are looking for a guide or a how-to on crafting a transformational book, you have the best one that I have ever seen, and it's called Write a Must Read, Craft a Book That Changes Lives, Including Your Own, which it has, and this is a must read. You have to have this on this on your shelf if you are even considering writing a book. And AJ, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm psyched to be here. And we've been working together for, I don't know, I'd say about five months uh, as part of my writing coach, as part of the, you know, you're the head writing coach right now for Heroic Public Speaking. And now actually a partner so congratulations on that by the way that is Thanks. that Thank is absolutely you. huge <laughs> and i can it say huge. it is it's very big and that is a, a so it's a wonderful thing we'll talk about you know heroic public speaking uh in the podcast a little bit but i can truly say that you have really completely changed how i think about writing and actually writing i never thought myself thought of myself as a writer at all i've read you know, Profit First, Being an Entrepreneur, that's a, another fantastic book that, you know, you wrote with uh, Mike Michalowicz. Fantastic book. But when I picked up your book, Write a Must Read, that really changed a lot of things for me. And I knew at that point, it's like, I have got to get AJ on the podcast. Aww. And to be honest, that hit really close to home. <laughs> the, the, the first couple of chapters might have hurt a little bit because I was that guy that you talk about okay. and the, the guy that says, you know, I, you know, I want to write a book. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, hand over my oh. workshop copy and my presentation to a ghostwriter, have the ghostwriter 12 months. You know, I've got a large subscriber list, you know, boom. Easy peasy. Yeah. Easy peasy. And that all changed. <laughs> really? In a good way. I want to know what, 
I want to know what you, you just said that your view of writing and yourself as a writer changed. I'm so interested in that. What, how do you see yourself now? Is it because you are a writer? I see myself as a writer and I see myself as getting better. For the longest time, it's like, it's not even, being a writer is not attainable for me. It's like, that just wasn't in my cards. Mm -hmm. I'm not a singer. I'm not a writer. It's like, <laughs> that's just not in my cards. But going through the processes that you teach, uh, and I, and there's there's a there, there's a fine line. I mean, there's there's a distinction or not a distinction. There is a similarity between the stuff that you teach in heroic public speaking and, and the stuff that's in uh, in the book. Write and must read. I mean, there's some yes. similarities there. Yeah. So I think you brought some of the stuff over uh, into HPS, but those methods, those processes that you have, really helped me. I don't know. Chunk things down. Help me outline yeah. it. Help me conceptualize and then just start writing bits and pieces and then thought, well, you know what? Maybe I can write. Maybe I can do this. And now it's turned mm -hmm. into where, you know, so again, before I started working with you as a, as a writing coach, I was just going to turn over my, my, I've done a workshop for years called UOS. So I was going to basically take that workshop and say, okay, yeah, let's turn it into a book and let's, it's going to be my business card. Just, <laughs> I'm telling you, I was, yeah. that, guy. I was that guy. And, I called you out. Oh, yeah. I called that, you out. That, okay. <laughs> I was like, slapping them like, wow. But it, in a good way, in a very good way. And now I can actually see. So now I've actually wrote everything in my book so far. So I've been doing this simultaneously with HPS. I'm at like wow. 50, 55,000 words for my <gasps> book, for my first draft so far. So what? it's Yes. Congratulations. It's, it's been amazing. So again. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. So the stuff Me that you sure. teach is is just so, so good. Now, some of the questions that I have, because again, I'm coming from kind of the tech industry and I'm coming from not being a writer and looking at that industry kind of. So, you know, some argue that, you know, the rise of this digital media and AI, uh, that traditional books are becoming obsolete because it's just something you can do at any time. Yeah. I mean, look, you can use AI to write your book. No one's stopping you. But uh, traditional books, have they've been saying for decades that they were going to die. When ebooks came out, they said, oh, let's see into print books. None of that has been true. People still love books. It will. That's, that's just it. It's not no one's going to kill books. The thing is, you can write a book in AI and ship it out the door, but it's not a book that people are going to say, oh, my gosh, you have to read that. And so you have to make a choice. Do you want a book that where you can just check the box, say you're an author, do a one-day Amazon bestseller campaign and be done with it and not actually care if anybody read it? Then that's fine. If that suits your needs, just know that what's, what's not going to happen from that is getting a dedicated following that are, who are ambassadors for your brand. So it's the foundational book, the book that really helps entrepreneurs kick it to the next level. And you can't write that book with AI. You have to write that book with uh, heart, man. It's you got to write it with heart. And I want to just comment, if I can, where you said you've changed, you see yourself as a writer now. 55,000 words is amazing. I just have to say that. A lot of the reason why people go to these easy fixes or think they can't do it is because they just don't understand that there's a clarity process you need to go through first, which I, which I and many coaches call book development. And that could be true for speech development or podcast development, whatever content you're putting out. 
And if you don't take the time to get the clarity you need and break everything down, then yeah, it's really hard. And you feel like you're floundering. But if you take the time to just get the clarity you need, it's much easier to knock out those words. And then if it comes from you, you can get that connection with the reader. And that is when you get a book that people say, oh, man, I love that book. you got to read that. That's a game changer for people when you have that kind of book. Yeah, and I think that is a hard thing to hard thing to do, especially for me. So in other words, my writing, if I would have wrote a book and put it out last year, it would have been bullet points. <laughs> a, B, yeah. C, D, you know, that's just how I how I process stuff. But going through and actually starting to write stuff, actually getting authentic with with who I am and, and telling stories that I would have not told people. It's like, that is just not me. Uh, it was so different than, than what I was used to. And it's, again, it's a process. But what I really like about what you teach is the process of how to do it. You have, you've done this for so long. You've written so many books that you yes. know what it takes. You know step one, step two. And by working with other people and coaching other people for so long, you know uh, the processes you have are just amazing. It's, it, literally, I've, I've, I've got clarity on everything that I need to do to get my book done. And so again, all that stuff is absolutely fantastic. And you know, we were just talking about AI a little bit. So, so here's the thing, I'm a techie. I'm 30 years in the tech industry. I think tech, I breathe tech. So like what I've done is I've kind of, I still think there's a use of AI. I, I still think yeah. that we have to use, we have to be able to use AI as a tool, maybe not to write our book, but we have to use it as a tool. So for instance, one of the things that I did based on, you know, we've got, you know, you've got the foundational five that we've, that we've learned. You've got, uh, you know, the book titles and all the or different, the, the seven different, yeah. yeah, the seven different book titles or the speech titles, however you want to say, it, but the book titles. And I put that into one big chat GPT prompt. So I literally went into chat GPT and I put in, okay, here's my foundational five. Here's my promise. Here's the stuff that I wrote. It didn't write any of that. Right. Yeah. But I took all that one prompt, click a button and it'll put, it'll do five titles of each of the different categories. Boom, 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 boom. All I have to do is fill in. And for me now I might not use any of those, but it right. puts in my mind. It's like, Oh, now I can see now I understand now. And I can play with those things and use AI as the tool to help me get to where I need to go. Yeah, so you're using your take, but the key thing you did there is that you put in your own developed content to begin with. Right. So you didn't ask ChatGPT to come up with it for no. you on a topic. You said, this is who I am, what I stand for, who I'm writing for. This is, this is all of my foundational work. Now help me. And I think that's key. I think you can also use... AI as a research tool when you're writing books, you just have to remember to validate because it's not always it's not always true, but it can get you it can get you, you know, for example, I just taught a class about how to write a fantastic uh, ending for your book, which I call called the greatness. Most people end books as a, with a summary and it's boring or they have this call to, call to action that's promotional or it's too saccharine and full of platitudes. So I teach people how to write a call to greatness that calls readers to a higher purpose than the one they had when they turned when they opened the book. And in the class, I I said, you know, once you know what you're looking for in a story for that, you can go ahead and use ChatGPT to say, I need a story, an underdog story from history featuring a woman or featuring a family or right. 
Right. And so then that lease can set you down. It can save time with research. Then you have to go find tr- accurate sources and do more work beyond that. But I still think that's really, really valuable. Yeah. So, and and I've used ChatGPT in helping me write what I have so far, but not write it. So in other words, I will write out a couple paragraphs and I'll put it in ChatGPT and say, make this look better. I mean, make this flow a little bit better, but it's still my content. They might move stuff around a little bit. It might, it gives me ideas, but never, yeah, never actually writing, uh, writing this stuff. But I, I do think it's a, a tool that writers can use, uh, but just not, I'm afraid that it, it will at some point just take over, you know, take over uh, writing books. And and I don't want to see it that way. It's, it's I mean, kind it's of a scary happening. thing. Yeah. Oh, it's already happening. There's right now on Amazon, you can not only find books that were completely written by AI, but you can actually find books that were written by AI and then they scam and put an author's name on it who didn't write it. It just happened to Jane Friedman, who is a very, very important voice in publishing, probably one of the most knowledgeable people in publishing. And if anybody here is wanting to learn the ins and outs and real deal, Jane Friedman is a great resource. But somebody put up, I don't know, three or four books that she didn't write under her author name and under her author central page. So it looked like she wrote them. Those of us who are savvy and know Jane would say, hey, that doesn't look like a Jane book to me, but a person who's just stumbling and looking for general information might not know the difference. So it's already a big issue. There are lawsuits happening, all of that. I think just having your own clarity, don't let AI think for you in terms of connecting with your reader. That's that's the part that only you can do because you have to first decide who is my reader, what do they want, what's standing in the way, what is their life like, and then how can I get them from here to there, get them what they want. Those are things you need to decide for yourself and then let AI streamline your process a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's gonna be uh, some fun times going forward with some of this stuff, and hopefully, yeah. hopefully it it I think it'll hopefully all wash out at some point. So, what continues to motivate you to emphasize kind of the importance of of crafting a book that generally changes lives? Because that's one of the things that you really push in this book is like if you're get, and that's one thing that stuck out to uh, stood out to me was if you're gonna write this book, make it good make it last, you know, make it, make it something that people will actually want to read and it'll stand the test of time. So what motivates you to continue to teach that importance? Well, a couple of reasons. One is I see, have firsthand knowledge of feedback from readers whose lives are changed. And I want to continue to help facilitate that. That's worth more than you you cannot put a price on. Having readers contact you and say, oh, my gosh, you absolutely changed my life. Everything's better. Sometimes I've heard readers say, you saved my life. This is about either Mike's books or my students' books, and I want to be part of that. I think any author, even if you think you can't write, can actually achieve that because, again, it's about connecting to hearts and minds. But also it's because it just works better. You know, if you write a book that someone says, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. I didn't know this. Or, hey, this book is really helping me or whatever it is. That person then becomes a devotee of whatever you do. They follow you. They listen to you. They buy your stuff. They tell people about it. And so if you're just thinking purely from ROI, right? 
return on investment. You're going to get a better return on investment if you actually write a book designed to help someone make a change than if you just write a book to get it done. Going through this process, one of the things, so I think one of the biggest problems that I had was I was thinking that my first draft had to be perfect, had to be a, a fully, and I would literally spend hours trying to write and go back and re-edit, redo, re-edit, redo. And it's like, I never got anywhere with that because I didn't realize that the first draft, that shitty first draft was really a mm -hmm. crappy first draft. It's not supposed to be perfect. It's just throwing stuff out there. That was probably my biggest, I think my biggest hurdle in, in starting to write the book is just knowing that that doesn't have to be good or perfect or anything like that. Yeah, so I learned about it from Anne Lamott. She wrote a book called Bird by Bird. And, um, but I mean, this is what writers know that I think that established writers know that I think new writers aren't aware of. We know we just need to get our words on the page and then it's really going to come alive in edits. Editing is way more involved than people realize. This is another problem with trying to get a book out really fast is we think editing is just copy editing, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's making sure the correct grammar. So who cares? Run that through AI too, right? What's the difference? But actually there's a whole other step of editing that a lot of authors miss if they aren't in traditional publishing. And that is developmental and substantive editing where basically you're making a book work. You're making sure it works for the reader. And those of us who've been doing this a long time, for me it's 18 years in publishing and many more years before that in, in playwriting, we know that we're just getting the clay on the table. And then once it's there, then we'll make it into something that looks like something you want to buy, right? So we'll do anything we can to get the clay on the table, just anything. We don't care because until we have it, we can't make it better. But where new writers get frustrated is they don't really believe that the draft can be as bad as theirs is. It's like you hear SFD, vomit draft, I call it super rough draft, um, whatever you call it, you hear it, but in your mind you think, well, she said that, but I don't think she's seen how bad mine is. And then it's like you just mess with your own head and think, she can't mean this bad. I do. I do actually mean this bad. And then the other side of the coin is we want to be the exception, right? We want to say, well, mine's going to be better. Maybe everybody else can do a vomit draft, but mine's actually going to be better. And all that stuff messes with your head and keeps you from making progress. But really, it's just words on the page. Just get them on the page, get her done, and then we'll make it better. Yeah. And that's, again, that's just a process I never really looked at. You hear people talking about it, but until you actually do it, it's like, just again, that's, I always wrote, everything I wrote was to be the final thing. And so this has actually changed not only like my, writing for my podcast it's completely changed how i write for my podcast like oh normally on solo episodes i'll normally script out at least a rough script of what i want to talk about and do but it's changed even how i how i approach that so it's this whole process is just again it's new to me it's <laughs> i'm well, red but i love that you're i love that you're going for it and you're letting yourself step into it so i really believe talent is a minor 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 factor in success it's really more about having clear vision. Again, that clarity word. And then, frankly, perseverance. Yeah. And I, I guess I would add, you know this because you were at Heroic 
for your speech development, willingness to be uncomfortable in the creative process, the willingness to show up and say, all right, I'm just going to try it. We'll see. And most people just aren't willing to do it because it's too fraught with fear of failure, insecurities, old programming, whatever, what have you. But if you can just say, all right, I'm cool with the fact that I might not nail this today, but I'm just going to move forward. That's a key ingredient to success in any writing endeavor. And I, I think one of the things that, I don't know, either helps you helps you stand out or makes you different than people I've looked at in the past is you've done such a wide spectrum of stuff in book writing, from writing your own books to writing with people like Mike Michalowicz uh, to mm -hmm. being a complete, a complete ghostwriter for, for people. So I think you've done all of those things, and I think that gives you a very unique look or unique perspective on the people who are writing, you know, not necessarily for your books, but the ones that you write with is there, you know, and again, and most of these from what I've seen have all been, you know, thought leaders and that type of uh, that type of a book. Do you notice any common traits that you've observed on these thought leaders that you've worked with, that you've, you know, written with do, do any, anything common that you've noticed? Are you talking about the ones who are just not going to, you know, really successful? You want to know about the super successful ones? Well, yeah. Just, different. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's folks who have brilliant ideas and, and they wrote a great book, but you're never going to hear about that book. And then there's folks who just are killing it with the book sales, with speaking, with the whole thing. So who do you want to hear about? <laughs> I want to hear about, well, well, maybe a little bit of both. Cause I mean, I think that's, you know, to identify, you know, what are, what are some of the common things that you see for the people who have written that they've got a fantastic book, but they just, they're, they don't go anywhere with it. Is there something that's common with those people that to yes. help us prevent it? So they have number one, unrealistic expectations about what it takes to be an author. And so they, they see the book being published as the finish line and it's really the starting gate. That's when you start working to promote the book. I had a really insightful call with Hal, uh, Hal Elrond, who wrote Miracle Morning, and we were chatting about his book, and I really wanted to get at why was it so successful. He self-published it, and uh, it's he sold bajillion copies. I don't know the actual number. Huge success story as far as self-publishing is concerned, or any publishing. And we chatted, and he gave me some gave me some thoughts and it was, you know, it was a pretty standard conversation until he finally, he kind of paused and he said, you know, I just stuck with it for 10 years and he was totally dedicated to it. So I think a lot of authors uh, are short-sighted about publishing and so they give up too soon. And that I think is the number one thing. And they also don't, they're afraid to market their stuff. They're just afraid to market their stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm always going, I mean, even just tiny things, I'm always going into their Facebook posts and saying, Psst, put your Amazon link. You know, I, I can't even get them to just, you know, tell people, please buy my book. You, it's okay to do that. You put your, you know, blood, sweat, tears, time, and probably money into that thing. It's your life's work. Get out there and tell people about it and don't just do it for your launch period. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the number one thing is just a very short-sighted view of authorship, which is honestly a long game. It's a lot. I'm successful in part because I'm comfortable with the long game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah. And, and most people aren't. You know, I had, uh, I talked with the author of, I think it was Go For No. 
And it's a, it's just a little book. It's not very big, but it's a, it's actually a very good book. I actually really enjoyed it. They literally had the book out for, I think, six or seven years, kept on it, kept on it, kept on it, kept on it. Yeah. And then finally, after like seven or eight years, someone saw it, someone picked it up and it was like, then it, then it just went, you know, gangbusters. They've sold yeah. a ton of, ton of copies of it, but yeah, that's, now what do you, what do you see in common with the people who are really killing it? Obviously they're sticking with it and obviously they're, they probably have a much better plan. I mean, I feel, okay, so the really successful thought leaders that I worked with as a ghostwriter, a couple of things in common. I could call them up at any time. I mean, they could be in their car. One time I got content while they were waiting in line to get board a plane. I've had all, I mean, I have extracted content from my clients who I ghostwrote for um, in all kinds of wacky situations, but they were always able to deliver an answer right away because they know who, what they stand for, who their person is, what their main messaging is, so they could just spit it out for me, right? The those big thought leaders, it is this, this is just that comes from practice, clarity and practice, and also they understand that long game, and they're not going to <clears throat> give up on a book. Within the first couple months, they're just, it's going to be part of their whole plan going forward. They also have to remember, though, these are people that are writing books that are designed to change lives. So you've got to have that component to begin with. That doesn't mean there aren't mediocre books that are successful. There are plenty. There's plenty. But what's different about those are those people, again, are committed to getting the book out. So even if it's mediocre, you can still be successful with it if you just stick with it. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, I can, I can see that because I've actually seen some books that are not, <laughs> that are pretty popular books that that I didn't, at least personally, didn't really care for. Well, that is a wrap for part one of this amazing episode with AJ Harper. Make sure to tune into part two as we dive into how to keep your unique voice while writing content. You know how to balance personal stories with actionable content. Uh, we're going to talk about how to incorporate stories into your writing. And then a really big one for next week is how to decide between traditional and hybrid publishing. You are going to learn some inside stuff that you really need to know if you're looking to publish a book. And whether you're just an aspiring writer or just someone looking to make a change in your life, remember that your story matters. And as always, keep thinking big and keep pushing boundaries and never stop believing in your potential.